the uh, 13th Psalm, the 13th Psalm. And it is not what I was going to preach on today, but God has a way of redirecting our intentions, our thoughts to what it is that he will want for us to hear. Uh, We thank God for uh, uh, Prophet Brandon Perkins that has joined us on today at the Well uh, Ministries International, as well as my God sister, amen, Angela uh, Bradshaw, so many others that I have missed the name, Darwin White, uh, joined in for a brief moment. We thank God for him. And so we thank God for each and every one of you all who have taken of your time on today to chime in. Um, the 13th Psalm, the 13th Psalm, and I'll be reading from the New American Standard Version. Yours might read a tad differently. And I'll be reading it in its entirety, all six verses, and it reads as follows. For the choir director, a Psalm of David. And David writes this, he says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Enlighten my eyes or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him. And my adversaries will rejoice when I am shaken. But I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. You all, I want to talk to you about the construction of a desperate prayer. The construction of a desperate prayer. I would want to believe that in these past uh, few days, these last couple of weeks, that we all have prayed some desperate prayers. You know, when we have looked at the plight of our people, when we have looked at what has gone on, not just in our area, not just with George Floyd, but when we consider what's going on in the nation, regardless of nationality, regardless of ethnicity, when we look at the injustices that are done, as we say to our people, the African-American people, but to people all over. Because when we consider, you know, uh, immigration laws being changed and children being stripped from their parents, you know, when we consider Uh, the bombing of of synagogues, when we consider all the injustices that's been done in the world, I believe that we have prayed prayers like David did in this 13th Psalm. How long? How long must we deal with this? How long must we suffer? How long, God? In having some exchanges with some of my own uh, members, you know, they have said that, you know, we mean no disrespect, but it just seems like prayer is not doing it. Seems like prayer is not enough. Seems like prayer is futile. 
And so I sat and I pondered that and I thought about that. And I, I asked the Lord, I said, God, how do we minister to those that are hurting? How do we minister to those that, uh, you know, feel as though prayer is is just uh, not the, you know, it's, it's not doing it and we have to do more. You're absolutely right. We have to do more. But we should never feel as though prayer is you know, obsolete prayer doesn't accomplish anything. We have to realize and we have to understand my brothers and sisters that without prayer, we're not able to do anything. So even as we protest and even as we go and we express our concerns, even as we, 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 we share of our uh, disdain of what's going on. If we don't couple that with prayer, then we're missing the point. And as I said last Sunday, we're missing the mission. You know, we're not the only ones that have had to deal with adversaries. And I, I know oftentimes when we uh, consider what it is that we're dealing with in terms of the word of God, we feel as though the, the Bible uh, characters were so close to God that they didn't have to deal with anything. And we have to realize and recognize you all that the Bible says that there's nothing new under the sun. There were folks that walked along and and did things uprightly and did things justly. That injustices were done to them. Before David even got on the throne. He was being despised by the current king. Saul, because Saul knew that the hand of the Lord had lifted off of him and that David was anointed to be king, even though Saul was still sitting on the throne. I want somebody to, I'm going to say, I'm going to be quiet right there. I want somebody to catch that. (laughs) I want somebody to catch that. Even though somebody else is anointed to be king, the king that the hand of the Lord had been lifting off, lifted off of was still sitting on. On the throne because David had to wait until it was his time. Can you imagine what would have happened to the children of Israel, to the kingdom when David was king? If David had came out prematurely, if David had gone out and done things, knowing that the anointing of the Lord was rested on him, but knowing it was outside of his timing, you all, we could do stuff. That's the right thing, but the wrong time. And then we could do things, you know, the wrong things when we should be doing the right things at the right time. Y'all, y'all get what I'm saying? You, you all, but we won't know this until we've actually gone before the Lord in prayer. So you all, we have to understand that, that, you know, uh, uh, before he even got on the throne, uh, David was, 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 was not liked. You know, he, he even came before, (laughs) he even came before King Saul, knowing that he was going to be king and played skillfully to quell the evil spirits of King Saul. Man, I, I want I want somebody to catch a hold to this. I have no qualms about what what you know. Here's the deal: if you're angry, you're angry. But the Bible says, "Be angry and sin not." You know, I got no place to judge anybody. 
I, I, I'll just be flat out honest. I took a day myself to try and pull myself together to say, God, what, what is going on here? What, what do we have to do here? What's, what, what's happening here? I had to take a day myself, but even in that, you all, I had to ask God, don't let me send in my heart. No, I wasn't out throwing anything and I wasn't out cussing people out and I wasn't doing any of that. But you do realize you can sin in your heart. You can have malice in your heart. And I had to keep asking God, God, don't let me sin in my heart because I know that's not what you're asking. Then what is it? What is it that we do? How do we construct a, a, a desperate prayer like David? David, again, was was being pursued by Saul to be, you know, to be killed. He 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 was being pursued. He got pursued even after he became king. His own son set out to kill him to get him off the throne. Come on. If anybody prayed a desperate prayer, it was David. If anybody did it was David. And you all, we've got to understand that every child of God has asked the question, how long at one time or another, not just us, not just in this time, not just in this season, not just in these last 30, 40 days, but every child of God has asked you in your own house. You've asked God how long. <clears throat> when it came to your own finances, you asked God how long. When it came to problems with your marriage or your kids, you asked God how long. We've all asked God how long at some point or another. Just in dealing with your own self, you've asked God how long. How long will my heart be broken? How long will I cry myself to sleep? How long will I feel depressed? How long? Will I have to deal with trying to figure out how to pay these bills? How long? How long will I have to deal with folks come and slick out their mouth with my name attached to it? How long? How long will I have to deal with my own sin? How long? We've all prayed that prayer. And honestly, I, I, I can't. I know for me, I can't speak for anybody else. But I believe that. Many of us have felt like we've been neglected by God because God hasn't answered our prayer. Or at least we've waited a long time for God to do what needs to be done. You all, even in these four, these, these six verses, these six verses, how long was repeated at least four times. At least four times. It, how long? It, it is the cry of the person that needs to be delivered. It is the cry. It is the plea of the person who is tired. The person who is weary. The person who is, is, is desperate. <laughs> That's the best word for it. That, that, that is the prayer of the person who. Who says, man, I don't know how much longer. How long? How long? Because sometimes you all, we feel like we're going to just go out under the weight of our trials. We feel like we're just not going to be able to make it. We feel as though we're not going to be able to get on the other side of through. 
So we ask, how long? But oftentimes, you know, I, I, I'm so grateful for the Psalms because many times we can look into a Psalm and see our own selves. And in this Psalm that, that David prayed, I know we can see ourselves and hear the cry that we've been saying, how long, how long? But let's look at the first thing. The first thing that the first two verses talks about is uh, David's uh, perplexity. He was perplexed. He was confused. He didn't understand. Four times he asked the Lord, how long? In verse one, uh, he asked, how long will you forget me? He said, how long, you know, you know, how long will you uh, hide your face from me? In other words, how long will you look the other way? In verse two, he says, how long will I have to take counsel of my own soul? In other words, how long must I struggle with this anguish that I'm feeling in my soul? And he said, how long will the enemy exalt himself over me? In other words, how long will the enemy have the upper hand? You are oftentimes when we have feelings like this, they tend to create their own reality. We can look and we can see other positive things happening in our lives. But when we feel this way, our feelings become our truth. Anybody with me in here? Our feelings become our truth. Our feelings become our reality. And we feel as though everybody's against us. We feel as though God has forgotten us when we feel like folks are getting over on us when it feels as though our heart is broken in two we we feel as if God has just forgotten us we feel as though God is hiding his face from us so in a sense you all just like it is for us it was true for David but it was true in according to his feelings not according to fact and that's what we have to understand on today you all, that there has to be a balance in our life when it comes to our feelings. You know, some people ignore feelings. They're, they're, they're good at that. And they feel that feelings have nothing to do with, with when we're dealing with God. You know, but we have to understand, you all, that that's an extreme to one side. But then we can't let our feelings overshadow the reality of our relationship with God. That's the other end of the spectrum. You all, God has not forgotten us. He has not neglected us. He is not hiding from us while it may feel that way. And you may say, no, look at the statistics. Da, 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 da. <clears throat> you all, the reason why I don't look at statistics is because quite frankly, unless I put them together myself, I don't believe, I believe what I see. Don't get me wrong. And I believe some statistics are true, but I believe the report of the Lord. And if the report of the Lord says that I'm already delivered, I'm already set free. I'm already the head and not the tail. Then I allow the word to shape my perspective. And I have to let the word Hide in my heart. The Bible says to hide the word in our heart that we what might not sin against God. So when I let the word get in my heart. And when you let the word get in your heart. It'll start to supersede those feelings in your heart. Will the weightiness still be there? Absolutely. 
But you all, the weightiness will drive us to our knees in prayer. So he deals with the complexity, the complexity of David, those first two verses. Then the next thing that these next two verses, three and four deal with is David's petition, his petition before God. He makes two requests of the Lord. If we look in verse three, the first thing he says is restore me. He says, restore me. Consider, he says, consider and answer me. He said, he said, restore me. And then the thing he says in verse four is don't, don't let my enemies get the upper hand over me. Don't let them gloat over me. Don't let them sit and be able to, uh, uh, get over on top of me. Don't, don't let them do that to me. Don't let them do that. He said, how long will I take counsel in my own soul? It's no, it's no wonder that David was frustrated. It's no wonder that we were frustrated because when we take counsel in our own soul, our own feelings, then that's what causes us discouragement. You all, we have to ask God to restore us. We have to ask God to, to, to uh, 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 renew in us a right spirit. You might say, okay, let me turn you off because you ain't even talking my language. I am talking your language. I am talking your language. Because if the Bible says that vengeance is mine, said the Lord, I will repay. Then I got to be in a, I got to be in a position to be able to petition for God to hold his promise true. Let me say that again. I got to be in a position to be able to petition for God to bring forth his promise. If I'm out sinning, if I'm sinning in my heart, in my mind, out of my mouth, then I'm moving myself out of position for me to be able to petition, ask God through prayer to come down and do something in this earth realm. So you all, we have to say, look, restore me. I I know I've been, I've been in, I've been in my feelings. I've been in my feelings, so I need I need you to do something in me so that I can invoke your presence and your power in the earth realm. Do something in me first. Do something in me. And then he says, please don't let my enemies gloat over me. (laughs) Don't 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 let my enemies gloat over me. You all. We have to understand that our eyes have to be enlightened. Yeah, our eyes have to be enlightened. Our eyes have to be able to see things the way God does. I've said this before and I'll say it again. We have to ask God, give me sight beyond sight. So that I'm not looking at what my natural eye sees, but I'm looking to the hills for which comes my help. Because all of our help, what? Comes from the Lord. It comes from the Lord. You all, David prayed this prayer. He said, enlighten me. Listen, that was a great prayer because we need the light of God to be able to shine upon us and give us wisdom. He needed it then and we need it now. We need it now, no matter what problems, what issues, what 
crisis we're in because you do realize that COVID-19 is still out there. There's still not a vaccine. So not only are we dealing with protests, but we're still dealing with pandemic. So we've got to understand that regardless of what we are dealing with, you all, we should cry out to God and say, enlighten our eyes, give us sight beyond sight. Give us sight beyond sight. First, the psalm dealt with David's complexity. Uh, uh, excuse me, his perplexity. Second, it dealt with David's petition. And then the third thing it does, it deals with David's praise. The Bible says that David said that he trusts in the Lord's unfailing love and he rejoiced because God is good to him. That's that's what the word said, right? It says, I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart will rejoice in your salvation. Why? I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. He's dealt bountifully with me. You all, he went from saying how long to let me pause and talk about the goodness of the Lord. <laughs> you all, when you can get your focus off the problem for a minute. When you lay all your issues before the Lord, isn't that, isn't it what the, the scripture says? Cast your cares on him because he cares about us. When we cast our cares on him and we let him deal with it, then we're able to remember all the good things that God has done for us and how good he's been to us. You all, he shifted from complaining to praising. He shifted from not necessarily complaining, but from being desperate to worshiping. Doesn't mean that the problem changed. Doesn't mean that his enemies weren't still out there trying to take his life. But his perspective shifted. I don't know about you, but I need a shift of my perspective sometimes. I need to be able to see things differently. And I don't always see things right with my natural eye. So I have to ask God, let me see what you see. Because when we can see what God sees, we know how to pray. We know how to pray. But when we can only see what our heart's eye sees, we don't always pray right. So you all, we have to ask God to enlighten us so that we handle this thing in a way that is pleasing to God and gets the job done because we are still God's hands and feet on the street. But are you getting your marching orders from the one who's controlling your hands and controlling your feet? If not, and you just going out on your own, then you'll cause a whole lot more chaos and mayhem than what's already out there that you're fighting against. My brothers and my sisters, there is a way for us to do what needs to be done. And the first place is on our knees. Don't take your knees out of the fight. Don't take your knees out of the fight. 
Your knees have to be the first stance you take before any other stance is taken. Because God's going to give you guidance. He's going to give you direction. You're going to remember how good God has been to you. So in those times that the enemy tries to tell you that God has left us, God has forsaken us, he's left us to our own devices to handle this ourselves, you're going to be able to tell the devil, "Uh uh-uh, that ain't how this get down. That's not how this works. My brothers and my sisters, David, long before we got here, long before we dealt with problems of, of, of systemic racism, Long before we dealt with police brutality, long before we dealt with domestic violence, long before we dealt with uh, the the dichotomies of of salaries and and promotions of different ethnicities and nationalities. Before we dealt with all of that, David dealt with folks trying to take his life. David, you know, the one who who uh, chased after, you know, God's heart, that that David. The one who, you know, uh, was was one who was after God's heart, that 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 David. The one who was anointed as king while he was still a shepherd boy, that David. The, the David that wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, that David. He still dealt with problems. He still dealt with folks trying to take him out. He still dealt with his own sin. He dealt with all of that. And he asked God, how long, how long will you hide your face from me? Same thing we're doing today. How long do we have to deal with this? How long do we have to deal with the the inequalities? How long do we have to deal with the injustices? How long? Notice God never answered David in the psalm. But before David was done writing this psalm, which, by the way, is a song. That's what every psalm is. It is a song to be sung. Before he was done writing these lyrics, he went from being desperate and asking God, why are you not there with me, to remembering how good God has been. My brothers and my sisters, move from being perplexed To petitioning God so that you can praise God. That is the construction of a desperate prayer. Let's pray. Our Father God, we do now thank you and we just glorify you, O God. God, we realize and we understand, O God, that you are the God that knows all and you are the God that that sees all. You are the one God. That even in the midst of all of this chaos, even in the midst of all of this, uh, uh, just, just, uh, I, I have no words, God. I have no words for the hurt. I have no words for the anguish that many of us feel based on what we're seeing. But God, I do know this. I do know that you still sit on the throne and I do know that you're not too far away that your hand cannot save. Your ear is not too far away that it cannot hear. So, God, hear the cry of your people. God, let us take our position on our knees before you, God, because our strongest position is on our knees. 
Let us get our marching orders from you, God. And then let us carry out exactly what it is you tell us to do. Not pick and choose what we do, God. Not protest, but then not vote. Not not go out and let our voice be heard in, in, in a crowd. But then when we have an opportunity of sending an individual voice to our legislation, we bow away from that. God, let us not get away from what it is that you call for us to do. Let us hear you. Let us get our marching orders from you. And then, God, let us do what it is is necessary to do. God, let us lay every feeling that we have at your feet. And let us fill our heart with your word, God. God, that we might not be inward seeking to our own soul trying to get answers. But, God, that we would turn our face to you the author and the finisher of our faith. And God, I pray for those that are under the sound of my voice, God, that are listening here and, and, and are still uh, uh, torn in their spirit because they don't have a relationship with you, God, and they don't know how to be able to uh, turn to you. God, I pray an open heaven over this place even now, or even over these, these airwaves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen, if you are here and if you are hearing the sound of my voice, and if you say, all oh, that sounds wonderful and all oh, that sounds great, but I'm telling you, I, I, don't, I don't have a relationship with this God you're talking about. And quite frankly, what's going on in the world, I don't know if I want to have a relationship with them. I will respect what you just stated, but then I'm going to ask you to hear what I've got to say. If you have tried everything there is and nothing has changed. And if you see that even, you know, rioting and protesting and all of this in this last week still hasn't changed anything. Then why not try God? If you're concerned about walking out of your house and whether you're going to be coming back. Because you've done everything right. And yet you still get pulled over by the police. You cross every T, dot every I. And still, when you go into a store, you still side eyed and, and you feel the anger welling up within you and you tried everything to, to, to handle your anger and it's still not working and you don't know where to turn. If you tried everything, and you haven't tried God. God is the God of peace. Here's what I'm saying to you. If you tried everything and everything else has failed and you haven't tried God, I'm going to invite you to try him. I'm going to invite you to have a relationship with God. That's how I can do what it is that I do. That's how many believers can do what it is that we do. That's how we can still go on these jobs smiling. Knowing that somebody might not like us. Yeah, I'm saying all this on Facebook, YouTube, whatever. <laughs> it is what it is. But here's the reality of it. <clears throat> Everybody's in some sort of bucket where somebody doesn't like them. But for some of us, it's different. And some of us desire to see change. But what do we do until we're waiting for change? I'm going to say, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, get to know him and get to know him in a real and tangible way. Because you'll find that you'll get peace that you knew nothing. You didn't even know existed. You'll find that you have joy when you don't even feel like there's anything you should be joyful about. And the way to have a relationship with God 
is through having a relationship with Jesus. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says this in Romans 10, 9 and 10. It says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shall be saved. For with the heart, man believes into righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. My brothers and my sisters, it doesn't cost you anything to become saved. The only thing it costs you really is your yes. That's what it costs you. It costs you your yes. It costs you your yes to God. You're admitting that you're a sinner. <clears throat> you believing that Jesus died for your sins. And, and, and you uh, accepting the gift and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That, that's what it is. If you admit you're a sinner, if you believe that Jesus died for your sins, and if you confess that he is Savior and Lord of your life, then you're saved. So pray this prayer with me. If this is you and you want to have a relationship with God, Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I've done things that are wrong. You have done things that are right and I've done things that are wrong. I believe, Jesus, that you died for my sins. And I confess today that you are Savior and your Lord. Save me now. I desire to have a relationship with you. Thank you for your gift of salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are saved. And the Bible says that no man, no man, including yourself, can pluck you out of the Father's hand. And we bless the Lord on today.